Philippians chapter 4. We're going to read from verse 10 to verse 20, but I'll just read up to verse 13, and then uh, we will proceed from there. Philippians chapter 4 from verse 10. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. This is the word of the Lord, and we continue to believe that since the Bible is God's word, say it with, with me, and we are God's children, then the Bible is God's word for us. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for everything that you have prepared for us. And we pray that you may accomplish what you intend to accomplish for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Buzz, it's great to see you after such a long time. You, when you left, we were not wearing masks. <laughs> Things have changed. They continue to change. I, I want to, to speak on this subject of giving in a a perspective that I believe will help us get an understanding that is uh, clear from the scripture. And that's why I'm asking this question, will God meet all our needs? Do you think God meets all our needs? Because that question will reflect, the answer that we give to that question will reflect what we believe about God. And what you think about that question reflects our thinking about giving as well. So Paul in Philippians, he's, he's thanking the church. This church, I, I call it the Philippi Bible Fellowship. He's thanking them because when he was, Paul is in prison, and the, the Philippi church came together and decided to support him, to encourage him, to show that 
they love him. Not because the Philippi church has everything they need, not because the people have everything they need, but because they want to be like the Lord. The epistle to the Philippians is here to show us the mind of Christ through the people of Christ. It is showing us when people come to Christ and they understand that he is the Lord over all, that he is the one that provides, they will find themselves giving out of devotion, giving out of love, giving sacrificially. That giving becomes part of a lifestyle of someone that follows Jesus Christ. Paul is in prison. They come out to support him. There are a few lessons that we learn from Philippi Bible Fellowship. Number one, lesson one, giving is a cause for joy in the Lord. Paul says in verse 10, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Their giving caused Paul to rejoice in the Lord. Number two, giving is a partnership with God and his work. Giving is a partnership. When we give for God's work, we are partnering with God, we are joining God in what he is doing. When we give to the missionaries that we support, we are partnering with them and with God in his mission. Every time you are giving for the Lord's work, you share in that work. It's giving is a partnership with God and his work. In verse 15, in verse 15, Paul says, moreover, moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. Philippians, the church in Philippi, is the only church that shared with Paul. Other versions will use the word fellowship. It's the only church that fellowshiped with Paul in the matter of giving. It's the only church that partnered with Paul in the matter of giving. This is supposed to help us shape our perspective as far as giving is concerned. It is a cause for joy in the Lord. It is a partnership with God and his work. And number three, it is an internal 
investment. It is an eternal investment. Giving is an eternal investment. Verse 17. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. Paul is saying, yes, when you support me, I do benefit from that. But that's not the goal. The goal is that your support may be credited to your eternal account. You remember Jesus said that store your treasures in heaven where thieves and robbers cannot steal, where your treasure is safe with the Lord. He wasn't saying that you take your funds and you, you fly to the space and find a place. He was talking about investing eternally. Using what the Lord has given us for his glory. So that it may be credited to our account. This is not the bank account that we hold here on earth. It's the account that we have with the Father. Giving is an eternal investment. Number four. Giving brings pleasure to God. Look at verse 18. He says, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. Every time we give to God's work for God's mission, it brings pleasure to the Lord. When you see giving that way, even though sometimes we struggle to give, when you remind yourself that it is a cause for joy, it is a partnership with God, it is an eternal investment, and it brings pleasure, pleasure to God, not pressure. It brings pleasure to God. It moves you to want to give even more. Why does it bring pleasure to God? Because God, our God, the God that we worship, is a giver. He is a giver. Look at John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave. Do you know that you can give without loving? But you cannot love and fail to give. 
You can give without loving. But you cannot love and fail to give. God gave his son to us out of love. In fact, as a sinner, any person that does know Jesus Christ, any person that looks at themselves and they know that their lifestyle does not please God, they know that if God looked at them, they would fail. They cannot attain to his standard, which is Jesus Christ. When they realize that God still loves them, it humbles them. When they realize that this God still loves me in my sinfulness, it humbles them. And then they realize that out of this love, God gave his only son to die on the cross. He provided a way for them. Romans 5 verse 8 tells us that God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you haven't yet believed in him as your savior, you should know, even though you may continue to reject him, he still loves you and he has provided for you. And anytime you realize that he loves you and you turn to him, he is ready to receive you, to forgive, to forgive you, and to make you a new creation. That, that is our God. He is a giver. And he gives out of love. He gives sacrificially. When the Bible emphasizes that God gave his only begotten son, you should remember of Abraham when he was asked to give his only son whom he loves, Isaac. That's, that's the picture when he was asked to sacrifice his only son. In fact, God says, I want you to give me your only son whom you love. Giving for us, is always out of love. It should always be out of love. But it is also sacrificial. Because left to ourselves, we would love to accumulate everything. We would want love to have more and more. Some of us live from check to check. And, and giving becomes something that you, you have to sacrifice. It's painful, but you realize that this is the same thing that God, our God does. He gave out of love. He gave sacrificially. He gave to meet the greatest need of the world for God so loved the world 
that he gave. So, as a Christian, just ask yourself, when, when you give, do you see it as a demonstration of your love for God? Or do you see it as a duty, a requirement that you need to fulfill? See, that's why I usually say, as Christians, when we are giving for God's work, we are not donating. It's one, it's one way we worship God. And because worship is an expression of love, giving is one way we say, God, I love you. Because you cannot love and fail to give. Let's look at some types of giving in the scripture. And I'm trying to avoid some arguments that people bring when it comes to giving, especially giving at church. I think in the scripture we have two types of giving. First, we have the tithe. Most Baptists know about tithe. Tithe is the tenth part of our income. You get your income, you put it in four boxes. I mean, ten boxes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Then those ten boxes, you take nine. And the tenth one, you give it for God's work. That is tithe. Tithe is, the, is 10% of our income. When I give 5%, that is not tithe. When I give 12%, it is not tithe. Tithe is specifically the 10th portion of what we have received. God is saying that I have given you a hundred percent. Just give me ten percent of that. And then trust me with the ninety percent. The argument is that tithe is an Old Testament requirement. It is a law, and we are not under the law, and therefore we are not expected to tithe. That's basically one of the arguments we have against the tithing. And I, in Genesis 14, before the law was given, we see in Genesis 14, verse 18 to 20, we see Abraham tithing to the priest. I will not pronounce his name because I know you guys pronounce it differently. 
But you will read his name. What is his name? Melchizedek. Okay. So that was before any mention of tithing in the, in the Bible. That's the first part, the first time tithing is mentioned in the Bible before the law was given. So we cannot argue that tithe was given only in the law, even though later on it became a requirement in the law. In Malachi chapter 3 verse 10, it's a verse that we all know about, we see that tithe is God's means of providing for his mission. That the reason he asked the Israelites to tithe was because he wanted to provide for his mission. And that is God's way of providing. So if, if it is God's way of providing, when I refuse to, for whatever reasons, to tithe, then I am not allowing God to use me to provide for his work or for his mission. Because when God instituted the temple, he also provided a way to support the temple. Just as he has instituted the church, he has also provided a way to provide for the church. You are going to make your own conclusion on whether you think God expects you as an individual to tithe or not to tithe after I'm done with, with this. In Matthew chapter 23, I'm still focusing on tithing here. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, Jesus says this to the Pharisees. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, the scribes and the Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You get that? Jesus is endorsing tithing here in the New Testament. He's telling these scribes and Pharisees, you guys are so smart, you are so diligent that you even give the tenth part of your spices. That's how diligent they were as far as tithing. You even tithe from your spices. But yet you neglect some of the important issues of the law, mercy, faithfulness, and justice. And he's telling them, you should practice this without neglecting this. Let me be clear, tithing does not save anyone, okay? It's not a means to salvation. God does not expect 
someone who does not believe in him to tithe. In fact, he doesn't expect someone who does not believe in him to even support his work. The standard that he has for us is different from what he expects from others. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 and 2, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1 and 2, Paul says to the Corinthians, Now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each, of, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Each one should have a sum of money in keeping with your income. So that we may avoid having collections because what used to happen would be when they, people start giving, some of them show off. Some people will think, because I give more, I must be better than so and so. The truth is, if we are faithful in giving, if we are faithful in tithing, it really doesn't matter what... Uh, if, if you earn more, you're going to give more, right? But it's the same faithfulness. Because if, if, I, if I earn a hundred a week and I give ten dollars and you earn a thousand a week and you give a hundred dollars, we have done what needs to be done. You are not better because you've given more. We've all given the tenth part. But people would use such occasions to show off. And so Paul is saying, no, let's not do that. Let us of course, let us give according to our income, but let us set aside that amount. Let us be ready so that when we come, we don't have that, we don't give that opportunity for our pride to show off. Tithing is one way of giving to God's work. Here is the second way. The second way or the second type of giving is offering. That's why we talk so much about tithe and offering. When you give 5%, that is an offering. Tithe is not just any amount that we give. It's the 10%. The next step is offering. This is a free will giving. This is, you decide, whatever. You, you, some people give more. Some people give less. It's a free will giving. It's your decision. It really depends on your relationship with the Lord and, and, and everything that is happening in your life. You know, the Israelites were required to tithe, but... When you look at their giving, they were giving more than 25%. Uh, 
because there were so many other givings that were, they were supposed to still give. Offering is a free will giving. You, you tithe and you still give your offering. We tithe and we still give our offering. If you asked me, I will tell you that tithe is a starting point. It's not the end. It's not the finishing line. It's the starting point. I think God expects us to give more because he gives us more. I'm not trying to put pressure on anyone. Offering is a free will giving. When you decide to support a missionary or to donate to a Christian organization, when you, every time you do all, those are offerings. Any extra amount you give is an offering. When you give it to the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, it says, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, everyone should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. No one should push you, no one should compel you. It should be from your heart, for God loves a cheerful giver. Every time we talk about giving, every time we consider the, the income that we have and the bills that we have to pay, the tempting question is, will God meet all my needs? Can I afford to be faithful and trust God to meet all my needs? Paul is saying, look at verse 11 to 13. He says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the, circumstance, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. In Jesus Christ, we are content in all situations. See, if we cannot find our satisfaction in Jesus Christ, we will not find it anywhere else. If we decide that 
I will be more satisfied if I, or when I use my money to meet all my needs, regardless of what God expects of me, I'm telling you, we will not find our satisfaction anywhere else. That is a deception. Look at verse 19. What Paul says to the Philippi Bible Fellowship. He says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Paul is, he, he is not making a suggestion here. He's, he is making a proclamation. He's saying he will meet all your needs. Because you have given, not because you have more, but because you desire to do what he wants you to do. You desire to be like him. He will meet all your needs. Our God will meet all our needs according to his riches through Christ Jesus. He will provide. It's difficult when you read a scripture like that and then you think of all the needs that you have and you struggle to reconcile that. Because I, I, I have needs. If you asked me to give you my list of needs, you will be surprised. And I'm sure if you are given an opportunity, some of us would have a longer list than mine. We have needs. And when you come to a scripture like that, you just feel like reading past it. It becomes a struggle to stop there and ask, will God meet all my needs? This is the struggle that we face every time we approach God's word. Every time we allow it to speak to us, it makes us uncomfortable. But Paul is speaking here because Paul knows the Lord. Paul understands that this God has been faithful in his life. Paul has gone through difficulties. There is a time he had an issue in his life, a thorn in the flesh. He turned to the Lord and he prayed for, he prayed for the thorn to be removed. He says that he prayed three times asking him the same question. The same petition. And God, instead of removing that thorn, God said, my grace is sufficient for you. God still met a need, but not the need that Paul was asking for. God still 
answered his prayer, but not the request that he was asking for, not the way Paul expected, but when he realized the grace of God is sufficient, it changed his perspective. The thorn was still there, but Paul became a different person before the Lord because he said, okay, from now on, I will rejoice in my weakness, I will glorify God in my weakness, because when I am weak, I am strong. Paul realized that this thorn that the Lord allowed me to have was an opportunity. It provides me an opportunity to experience his power. So when he is saying that my God will meet all your needs, Paul is not saying that he will give you what you are looking for. He is not saying that he will answer your prayers exactly the way you want him to. He is saying that this God can see beyond us. He knows everything about us. And sometimes the need that you think is your need may not be the need that God needs to fulfill. That God needs to meet. God looks at us when we are praying, when we are asking him, when we bring our requests to him, and he still responds. I have seen God meet people's needs. I have seen God meet people's needs exactly what they were asking him for. I have seen it happen in my own life where God provided exactly what I was asking for. But I have also seen God provide people with strength and with wisdom to go through the need. I've seen him strengthen people and give him wisdom to go through, not to deliver them from, but to enable them to endure and to go through that need. I have also seen that. And therefore, when I, I am praying, sometimes, of course, there is a struggle because my desire is to see this happen. But at the same time, Understanding this God, I also have this desire to see God do what he wants to do. And I am open into receiving what exactly I am asking for. And at the same time, I am open into receiving what God has in store. Because I know that I am limited I know that he knows what the exact need is. And sometimes the exact need is for him to increase my faith. Sometimes the exact need is for him to increase my reliance on him. Sometimes the exact need is for him to deal with my pride, to help me realize that I am nothing without him, to help me depend on him even more. God 
does meet all our needs. But sometimes he doesn't do it the way we expect him to. Because he is a faithful God. I know that sometimes only God knows what I really need. Just as, as a father, my son Wilji may be asking for something else, but I know what he really needs. And I will still give him, but I will give him what he needs. And so sometimes our prayers to God is to, they should be accompanied by an attitude that expresses the fact that God knows what we need and allow him to provide it in a way that will bring glory to him. As difficult as that may be, our God is faithful. We can rely on him. He is a giver. We can trust him. We can trust him with everything. We have given him our lives. And if we truly have given him our lives, then he owns everything. Let me just tell you a short story here and uh, I'll be done. My name is Valerian. Uh, that should not be a surprise to you. When I was going to school, in fact, I started, I started school late because my mother couldn't provide, uh, she didn't have money to pay my tuition. School wasn't free then. Right now it is, but during our time it wasn't. And then I was sponsored. I became a sponsored child in a, a Compassion International project. And that enabled me to go to school. I had a sponsor. My sponsor was from America, from Colorado. I remember his name was Mr. and Mrs. William James. Through his sponsorship, I was able to go to school, to have school supplies, to have healthy care until I I think my second year of high school. I never met him. I've never known him. Of course, we corresponded during that time. When I became a Christian, I looked back at that. And all I can see is God providing for me. Today I look back and I say, 
if God had not provided for me in this way, because this, this sponsor was a Christian, he, he would write me, he would share uh, the message of salvation with me, and, and he was a Christian, and, and God used him to sponsor me, someone that he never met, he didn't know. I can only see God in him. And through him, I had an opportunity to hear the gospel as well at the Compassion Project. I look back today, and I can only see God providing for me, even without me asking. And so, when I, I look at my life today, and, and being a pastor... I believe that Mr. and Mrs. William James, wherever they are, if they are still alive, I don't know. But I believe that they are sharing in every blessing of my ministry or the ministry that God has given me. It's the same thing when I go to Kenya for trainings and, and God uses his people to provide for, for, that, uh, for that journey, for, for my air ticket and my accommodation and other transportations, every ministry that takes place there, those people share in those blessings. And I don't think this sponsor who was giving towards me, he was giving because he was a wealthy person. I don't think that's the reason. I think he understood that he could trust God with what he had. My wife and I, since coming here, we have also, apart from our normal giving, we have also supported two, uh, uh, two girls. There are, one of them is actually finishing high school. We still support her. The other one finished uh, two years ago. Not because we have more, but because we have learned to trust that God will meet all our needs. So I want to challenge you. See, the reason we give is not because we want God to do something. <laughs> That's not the motivation, right? It has to, to be our love for God. It, is, it would have been easier for me to come and say here that uh, if you want God to bless you, give. If you really, really want him to bless you more, give more. That is business. That's, that's not what we are talking about here. God blesses faithfulness. And my challenge to you is that you may trust him, that you may rely on him, and just be faithful in your giving. That's all God expects from us. 
It may feel painful, but when you realize that it brings pleasure to God, that when you realize that you are partnering with God, that it is a cause for joy, the pain will not be as painful, and God will continue to be glorified in your life. Maybe this is something that you need to do. Maybe this is one of the reasons you find yourself not enjoying your relationship with the Lord. It is a cause for joy. Just be faithful. Make it your goal. Make it your desire. Remember, you can give without loving, but you can't love and fail to give. Father, I want to thank you for your love. I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for your people. <laughs> you know them, Lord. You know how faithful they are. You know how they desire to serve you, to love you, to be like you. And so, Father, you know that uh, whoever is struggling to be faithful, you know that person, and my prayer is that you may help them to take that step of faith. Not out of compulsion, but out of love. And Lord, I pray that uh, if this message has not been as clear as you would have wanted it to be, that, Lord, you may clarify it in the lives of your people, that you may enable them to understand the scripture even more and give them the heart to want to obey you, for you are a faithful God. You are a giver, and our desire is to be more like you. In Jesus' name, I pray.